Welcome to the Clemson Dubcast. Friday, December 3rd, 2nd of this week, making up for a missed episode last week during Thanksgiving. Continuing to track the Brent Venables Oklahoma stuff at TigerIllustrated.com. You got to think, the longer this drags out, the likelier, I don't want to say definite, the likelier uh, that Brent Venables remains a Tiger. But we will see, and we will continue monitoring it all, tracking it all at TigerIllustrated.com. My good friends Blake Smith and Brooke Archenhold have been part of the podcast since the beginning, way back in August of 2018. They have an accomplished team of personal injury attorneys at Parm Smith and Archenhold based in Greenville. They are Clemson people, and their skillful attorneys have decades of experience in complicated litigation matters, taking a special interest in medical malpractice, nursing home abuse and neglect, car accident cases that have left the individuals involved in serious trouble. For a free consultation at Parm Smith and Archenhold, call 864-990-4581 or online at parmlaw.com. That's P-A-R-H-A-M law.com. Want to share a quick word about Founders Federal Credit Union? If you've been to a sporting event in Clemson, you've probably heard about Founders already. They are the official credit union partner of the Clemson Tigers. In addition to that, all Clemson faculty, staff, and students are eligible for membership as well as ITTE members. Matt Gross is a proud Clemson alum and the vice president for the Clemson market for Founders Federal Credit Union. Matt's office is located beside the Walmart neighborhood market on Old Greenville Highway in Clemson. For more information, go to foundersfcu.com. Another loyal supporter of the Dubcast is Blackacre Law Firm in Greenville, a subsidiary of Parm Smith and Archenthold. Blackacre helps South Carolina residents achieve their dreams of home ownership by providing experienced professional representation for real estate closings. Attention to detail is crucial in real estate law. Blackacre is committed to making sure nothing gets by them preparing residential or commercial closings. Blackacre also offers estate planning services for their clients in the Greenville area. Find out more about Blackacre at 864-326-3507. Okay, super enjoyable conversation with Matt Bockhorse, who's no doubt still feeling a sense of loss, profound sense of loss at the end of his football career, but still has some really good perspective about it. And by the way, he is set to undergo knee surgery today. So best of luck to him on that. And here we go. Enjoy. Okay, joined by Matt Bockhorst. How you doing, man? Doing well. How are you? I'm I'm great. You're walking around, so that's that's better than what we've seen of you in the I guess the last month plus. Uh, can you update on on all that? Yeah. So it's funny you say that. Actually, I'm going into surgery tomorrow. Oh wow. Um, so which is. I'm not sure when this goes out, but Friday, December 3rd, um, yeah. which is a long time to wait for surgery. A um, couple factors there. Um, it was supposed to be a couple weeks earlier, but it was kind of conflicting with senior day. And so um, my family and I made the decision. We just wanted to be able to participate and not feel terrible at senior day and just kind of have that conclusion. So we pushed it back, which is somewhat inconvenient but at the end of the day it's not like i'm going back to play so i don't really have a time crunch yeah um you are a veteran of surgeries both knee and how many knee and shoulder uh it's actually (laughs) um i've had four this will be my fifth knee surgery and then i had two nose surgeries which nose when was this actually i came to camp uh i was committed and we were doing one-on-ones and I broke my nose pretty bad, and long story short, I, I, I got I to hear more. How'd you do it? How did it um, happen? So you're doing one-on-ones, and, and at Clemson camp, they don't wear helmets, and um, 
the guy I was going against, he was trying to chop my arms, but instead of my arms, he chopped out of my nose. What guy? So, I don't remember. It was, I don't know, some guy. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but anyway, so it, it, my nose was, like, broken pretty bad um, to the point where I had to have reconstructive surgery, which is fine. It was my first surgery I ever had, and then it's kind of intertwined with the knee surgeries because a month later I t- tear my ACL, second surgery I've ever had. But this was at the opening. This, uh, so yes, yeah, so I broke my nose at Clemson camp. This was probably June, and then a month later in July at the opening yeah. is when the knee the knee injury happened. So, um, so anyways, that kind of plays into it because I didn't play that season. Obviously, in the following season, I was redshirted, and so my redshirt freshman season, the 2018 season. Um, was when I started to play, you know, a considerable amount, not a ton, but <laughs> Coach Caldwell talked about how they didn't think that my conditioning level was very high and that I would get tired. And I'm like, well, I can't breathe. So, <laughs> so sure enough, after spring ball that year, they <clears throat> take a look, and it was pretty bad. Um, just the, the previous surgery was not very good. So I had to get another one that was – much more painful, um, but corrected it. And so, and then, but yes, so those two nose surgeries, which are kind of funny because most of the time you wouldn't think of a facial injury for football, but, um, and then four knee surgeries going on five ACL, MCL meniscus as a senior, three arthroscopic surgeries, most recent one being in January. So less than a year ago, um, had a multitude of issues there. That the, a year ago was knee. Uh, yeah, in January 2021, I got scoped. I had a couple pieces of bone in my knee. There was a cyst that had to be removed, and then some ongoing cartilage issues, um, which is why I did not do live um, stuff in spring practice. So I, I was not. I was in green all of spring practice because, <clears throat> unfortunately, throughout my career, I never really have been was able to be healthy and, and and especially as you get older as a football player I don't care who you are you're never going to be fully healthy um but that was kind of a conversation that we had that um especially given the status of our offensive line and how young we are that it might be beneficial for multiple people to if I just kind of sat back and and tried to get healthy which it was and and um just kind of where I was when I ultimately got hurt this season I think um, the shape of my other knee, the left knee, which is the one in question before, um, was much better than, than the prior season. Um, and so so that I think that was a, the, the correct way to go about things. But, um, but yeah, so all kinds of surgeries. It's not, uh, it's not very fun, but you play a violent game like football and, and it's the risk you run. And, I mean, I wouldn't. I don't want to play any other sport, so um, I I did my time, and now it's time to move forward. No shoulder surgery. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's um, okay. I probably could <laughs> could have shoulder surgery. Yeah. I don't want to have it. What's 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 up there? I mean. It's great now you're done. You can speak freely about <laughs> about yeah. your injuries. There's no more yeah, uh, I mean, need to. Um, I definitely on my left shoulder have had 
a partially torn labrum since my freshman year of high school, which is not no big deal. For those who don't know, most college and professional offensive linemen, defensive linemen, linebackers are all pretty much to some extent going to have torn labrums. Um, it's just kind of the nature of playing with your hands and the, the violence of the sport. So that, that happened when I was a freshman in high school, and it's not really an issue. Um, sometimes my shoulder will come out, but it always comes back in. So right. um, really you get to the point where if your shoulder keeps coming out and staying out, then you have to get surgery. Now, you could elect to get surgery maybe in the position that I'm in, but I do not want to get shoulder surgery. Uh, and then I also have a separated shoulder, which is a different joint, but – that's more so just annoying. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of things. I'm sure if, uh, if we all had a full, full body scan then we'd all have problems. But I mean, at the end of the day, that's part of being an athlete and, and, um, there's a difference between being hurt and injured. Um, and I mean, I think you look at some of the best professional athletes out there. Tom Brady played all last season or, with a torn MCL, I think, which is which is a very extreme example. But um, if you want to be if you want to be a great player, you have to learn how to to manage your body and, and and figure out how to have the mental fortitude to push through that kind of stuff. So it's part of it. I'm 46 years old, and I'm thinking, man, if I had gone through what he went through, I'd I'd be limping around right now. Do you ever think about, man, and when I'm when I hit middle age, I'm going to be really feeling. Uh, not, I'm not asking you if it's worth it, but you're going to feel a lot of this stuff for the rest of your life. Yeah, I've come to terms with that. I mean, I know that probably have to have a knee replacement pretty early. Um, I'm far from finished with my surgeries, if I had to guess. But, but I mean, what we get to do and the experience that we have I mean, is it worth it? I don't know. I think that's an individual decision, but I mean, we certainly pay the price for it, but we get to do a lot of things that most people will never do. So it's, um, if it's what you want to do, then, um, you, you play the game. And if you're even able to, I think there's so many people that would love to play the game at this level and they can't, they're not good enough. Um, so there's a lot that goes into it. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> we always joke about, well, we're going to make our sons play golf. Um, <laughs> Um, but I don't know if the likelihood of my son being good at golf compared to football is very good. So, um, yeah, I mean, it is something that I've considered, but I'm not really worried about it, no. If, if there is a, a, an image in your mind or, or a, an anecdote that you can you can reduce the, what you just said to we get to experience something people have no clue, most people don't have any clue about, if you could reduce it to one thing to explain to the outsider who's not in the arena, like it's this is why it's the coolest thing in the world, and this is why it's going to be worth it for the rest of my life through whatever pain or whatever. That's a that's a fantastic question. Um, well, you get a ride in on buses with a police escort into places like Columbia, South Carolina. <laughs> And ninety percent of the people there are telling you that you're number one. <laughs> but to demand or command rather that kind of hate or respect in some cases, I think is a very small snippet as to why as to the magnitude of what we do. 
But, I mean, there's so many other things. I mean, I going to the White House, going to the Oval Office with the President of the United States. I got to be one of the few who rang the bell at the New York Stock Exchange. Yeah. Um, flying, flying up to Charlotte, North Carolina from Clemson, which is rather, <laughs> rather absurd. Um, but... Uh, Lots and lots and lots of things. I mean, there's there's so many things that we get to do just because of, if nothing else, the status of Clemson football and, and what it's become. Um, and that's established by people that have been here long before I have. But um, there's a lot of cool things and, and um, experiences. And, and just the to be a college football player is special, but to have been a, a college football player at a school of this level – I think is not something that I or any of my teammates can truly appreciate until we get down the line a little bit. And um, I think I think there's a lot of programs out there that if they get to a New Year's Six Bowl, it's it's a fantastic season. Um, if they just made the playoff, that that would be their their year's made. And fortunately or unfortunately, I think there's there's it's a double edged sword, but. We've gotten to a point at Clemson where it's all or nothing, and um, that's the standard to which we've been held. And um, so it does make for some disappointing moments when you realize that's not the case. But but at the same time, Coach Sweeney has always always has said, even when we were winning two national championships in three years, he has always said that the the goal of the program is not to win a national championship. Um, because if, if every year your goal was to win a national championship, um, you're trying to control things that you can't control. And so it's always the goals of this program each year, win the opener, win the division, win the state, win the conference, and win the closer. Kind of lay out, like if we take care of all those things, we'll likely be in good position to win the national championship. But that's not necessarily the case. So um, his thing has always been being the best that you can be or we can be as a team not being the best, um, which I think there's a, a, a distinction there. Um, I forgot what I asked you. Oh, you're talking about the coolness of it, the bigness of it, the how what you guys get to experience in, in the current – conversation slash debate over you know name image likeness all that there's the i'm not articulating a position here but do you think that in the the part of the conversation that we've steered it so heavily toward oh these athletes they need to be able to capitalize off of something and, and and make some money off of their names and images that we're getting too far away from uh, or, or that we're, there's just this assumption based in that that oh they're exploited and they don't get anything out of the college experience like whether it's the education which is a uh, pretty big deal or just what you're talking about what you guys get to go through and, and what you do the benefits that you already have short of any monetary uh, compensation off your off your images yeah well i am going to take a position on this because <laughs> it was actually after we went to the white house and i became randomly viral um and people are talking about how they do all this stuff and bash their heads into one another and all they get are big macs and so i 
decided <laughs> That's to, right. yeah. to, in a witty manner, basically say you're wrong. And yeah. and look, on this debate has been going on for years, and I am a proponent of name, image, and likeness, and I think that it's something that a select few people will really benefit from. I think for the masses, it's just not something that's going to make really any wholesale changes. I think that here and there you get a hundred bucks, 200 bucks, which is great when you're a college kid, but it's not like real money. I mean, I mean, it's not for most people. Now you talk about starting quarterbacks, potential first round picks. Like, yeah, there's some money there when that's fantastic and they deserve it. And, and perhaps we're removing some red tape that's existed that really shouldn't. But at the end of the day, I have always stood on the foundation that there's so much more value than selling a t-shirt with your face on it. And, and that's what I try to help the, the young players understand is if you come here and play and hopefully one day become a good player, but even if you don't, but you're a great student, you're well-respected, you carry yourself with confidence, you shake the right hands, you're friendly, and you take advantage of this platform that we have, you can catapult yourself so far ahead of so many other people. Because of this position that we're lucky enough to be in, people want to be around us and people want to rub elbows with us and want to help us because of everything we've given to the university that they love. And and it's not to say that there's they're handing out free lunches. I think that to some degree it has to be earned and you have to have graduated with a good GPA and you have to be a person of character and all those things play a factor, but, but you might be able to get your foot in the door earlier than a lot of other people. And that having that attitude can pay dividends far beyond the $500 that you made for an Instagram post. Well, like, like what's the total monetary value of the possible Opportunities that you can take advantage of, you know, uh, degree and all the connections that you're talking about. I mean, that's that's quite quite a lot of money in a terms lot. of the value. It's, it's real money. <laughs> yeah, and that's and so that's the thing is, I understand, and also I'll say that I'm I'm fortunate enough to to be able to stand and have this position because I I've, I came from a a background where it's not like I was having to send part of my stipend back home and so I understand that there's some guys at Clemson or a a lot of other schools where for a multitude of reasons they're the support for their family and that's a that's a very challenging situation to find yourself in but um I'm lucky enough to to be from a stable situation and and um so with that being said I, I feel like it's all about perspective and if you're so concerned about the short term cash with nil which i like i said i'm still a proponent of i think that if you get so focused on that you might miss the boat on the real opportunities and that's post football and that's based off of a a lot it's funny now because of nil the big thing is everyone's brand your brand your brand like your brand exists existed long ago and it's goes well beyond social media um it's your character it's your reputation it's who you carry yourself as and so and people know that and they know who does a great job of that and who doesn't do such a great job um and so that's why i'm i'm always gonna sit here and say 
that, yes, I think there's always improvements to be made to the student-athlete experience, but I am no victim. I, I, I will not accept that, and I know there's people that disagree with that, but I refuse to, to sit here and act like that. There's 100-plus players on a football team, 100-plus people from all sorts of different backgrounds, and you just alluded to it that, hey, there probably are some players who – you know, who have difficult situations and they're sending money back home or whatever. How much have you learned about other people in that, on that topic and on other topics as you've, through your years here, how much, how much have you grown in that respect, understanding others and, and and still being brothers, still loving each other and learning to sort of uh, maybe strongly, but respectfully disagree and to hug and move on. Is that putting it right, I guess? Yeah, uh, oh, absolutely. I think it's so cliche, and, and I know it's been said many, many times about if, the, if only the world had what a football locker room has. And I understand why people think that's a gimmick or whatever. But when you do – when you go through what we go through and you go through it together with somebody, no matter if you hate that person, you're bonded. Because there's a certain level – of mutual respect that you have with somebody who's gone through something that you've gone through and you know how challenging it is. And so it's, it it is the dynamic is so funny because you said like being able to respectfully disagree with each other and and, and hug after like that happens all the time because I think that when you're in a football locker room, you're in this environment of very, (laughs) you know, alpha characters and, and like very big personalities and people, guys that are really self-confident. And I mean, that's what a lot of great athletes are. Guys are going to be headstrong and butt heads and, and, but it's not. And I think that this is the part where it's so crazy that a lot of people have, have lost this ability to, to disagree with somebody, but still be friends. And I think, a lot nowadays we see a lot of people who take the attitude that if if I disagree with somebody at all, especially when you're talking about political things, for example, then I'm just not friends with them, and I I hate that. I I completely hate that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is it is so crazy because now, given Clemson's footprint nationally, um, I guess I would be kind of considering that Ohio, but you're talking about California internationally now with Canada and Connecticut and all in between Texas you name it it's very cool for me to to have gotten to know so many of these guys on the team and and I came from Cincinnati Ohio from an all-boys Catholic school and Cincinnati is a real Catholic town and so it's like that's all you know and down here it's that's just not (laughs) it's not it Um, yeah and so you learn a lot and you kind of expand your horizon a little bit. And I think that's been so cool because um, I've thoroughly enjoyed growing up in Cincinnati and, and have um, very fond memories. But um, it's cool to be able to go see new things and meet new people and and experience different parts of the country. And especially the game of football, which has afforded me opportunities to go literally all over. Um, but that is that is a very cool part of playing college football is to become lifelong friends with people that otherwise you would have never met what's interesting and probably a little depressing is 
in the outside world among the social media fans or whatever, um, whether it's a bad performance in a game and losing their minds and going crazy and, um, or whether it's like a social issue or an NIL issue, it's, oh, I'm not going to follow them anymore if they put this sticker on their helmet or whatever. Um, the interesting thing to me is that it, you guys through all through it all seem to have handled yourselves like the adults in the room and you have people twice your age that are losing their minds uh, publicly and killing each other figuratively tearing each other apart behind keyboards you know with people uh, whom they disagree with whom they disagree and meanwhile you guys settle your differences behind closed doors you love each other it seems that you guys are more of an ex- are the example when when you're college kids and that's when most kids are learning and, and, and making mistakes and and not behaving like the adults in the room. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, Dude? absolutely. I think a big part of it is social media is not real life. Right. Because on social media you can say things behind a profile that may or may not be actually who you are. May have a picture of you, may not, may have your name, may not. You can say things towards people about things that have no consequence because um, there's no there's no one to sit there and say um, that's disrespectful or um, you know if I were sitting in front of you and we were having a, a in person conversation there's things that I wouldn't say but it seems like a lot of people on social media find this courage that um, because they know nobody will actually check them on it, that they can say what they want. And I think that leads to further polarization and um, it leads to this ongoing disagreements that um, that becomes so escalated. And then you're right. And then it's just people just attack one another. And I think that in real life, if you have a disagreement with somebody and you feel strongly enough about it, you have a sit down talk with them and you show each other mutual respect. And if you don't, then, then things escalate, but it's always settled. And I think that there's a lot of people that say things without consequence and they get comfortable with that and it's easy and convenient. But, but at the end of the day, I'm not going to sit here and get wrapped up in that. And and I, I don't think a lot of people do because um, it's just, it's not real life. It's not, it's not indicative of, of the people out there. And especially, you know, as you mentioned, fans, for example, and there's been, there's been criticism this year and, and now we're starting to hit our stride, which everyone's happy about. And, but people that have been overly critical are not the majority of the fan base. The majority of our fan base are fantastic people. And, um, so you just can't – I think that far too often we get caught up in what's said on Twitter or Facebook or whatever and look at that as the prevailing sentiment. But it's not. It's, uh, the only reason you see that is because – or think that is because that's what you see. But in reality, that's not the case. And so you just have to have the, the confidence and, and wherewithal to know that that's not the case. As a, a, a sort of public figure on a popular – team 
you know, this being talked about a lot out there, have you have you had to sort of discipline yourself in terms of not getting not going down the rabbit holes and, and seeing what people are saying? Like, how, how has that been over the over the last couple of years? Like, how do you, with your process? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> look, I, playing offensive line is not. Um, a glorious position and, and often draws a lot of criticism because I think unless you're an offensive lineman or somebody who loves offensive line play, you're not watching the offensive line, you're watching the ball. So the only reason you would watch the offensive line is that the offensive line is affecting the ball, which typically means somebody's getting beat. Okay? So, <laughs> so because of that, I think people are so drawn to the negative and they don't see – or maybe don't even know what to look for with offensive line play because it's so intricate and so technical. Um, unless it's a massive pancake in the open field or whatever, a lot of people don't see kind of, oh, that was a great play or that was a, a pretty good play or a bad play. They don't necessarily know how to make the distinction. A lot of people. I'm not saying everybody. but um, and, and it's very hard to watch offensive line play on the TV copy. It just the, It's not um, very conducive to that. But – as far as a criticism, whenever you're in a position of, I'll say an enviable position, I think that it draws criticism. And when you're talking about the scale of clubs of football and, and college athletics and all this stuff, you're going to be criticized, whether fairly or unfairly. And it's something that you, like, you can't go there on Twitter and respond to every single person who, you know, said something about your mom. Like, it's just not, it's not going to happen. And and quite frankly, if you do get in the business of responding to those people, it's a no-win situation because you're just then then they they have gotten a response out of you and they know they can get you to respond. Yeah. So then it's it's never I've never engaged with that. And and if people feel the need to criticize me, then I mean feel free. I mean I I don't. That's why I've always kind of shared the the quote by. Theodore Roosevelt, the man in the arena, because that's something that I've always tried to live by. And essentially, for those who don't know, and I, it's a very popular quote, but no matter what you do, there's going to be critics and people who talk down on no any good deed or anything. But at the end of the day, whether you win or lose, if you're in the arena, then that's what matters. And and so that's kind of I think it's so applicable to sports, but in life I think that people are going to criticize anything you do, and, and um, until they want to step down there and, and go right beside you, then I don't think they really have the right to criticize. Um, and many don't have the ability to go right beside you, to be quite honest. But but like I said, it's a part of it, <clears throat> and um, I'm not you know. <clears throat> does not bother me that much to be honest i um yeah i i mean there's there's not much to say other than uh, it's it is what it is you said you don't engage how much do you or did you monitor uh well <coughs> sorry that's all right um the thing is, people can tag you, so like. Oh gosh, <laughs> so, I forgot all about that. So, uh, so you can see it, yeah, right? So, so you like, check your notifications on. But Twitter. I mean, no, I'm not going through and, and looking at everything anyone's ever said. I don't think that's healthy. I don't think that. I don't think that people should do that. I think that that's another thing. Social media, 
I'm sure has presented challenges for athletes because now people can see what people say about them. And back in the day, it was just a barbershop conversation and that was that. And so from a self-esteem perspective, I'm sure that's hard for a lot of people. And, and I know that it's frustrating for like my mom, for example, when she sees people. For me, though, it does not really bother me. Um, just doesn't. It's funny. I just I, this just now occurred to me, but traditionally, the only people criticizing athletes were the media, and it's almost like shifted to not that you don't get criticism from the media, but the overwhelming majority of criticism is coming from social media and just people out there who are who are outraged for whatever. Um, it's kind of interesting that, that it's, it's, it's shifted yeah, in that I way. Mean, you know what they say about opinions, and it's just everyone's got one. I mean, it, and so that's – they can have that. I mean, I, I, I think that – I can speak for myself. I don't want to speak for everybody else, but speaking for myself, the, the people whose opinions matter to me are the coaches because ultimately they're the ones that make decisions. And um, just like everybody out there has a boss some, somewhere, and so your boss's opinion matters. But other than that, whatever anyone else says is just noise. It doesn't impact anything. Tell me about your family. I mean, a really cool and interesting part of the story is, I mean, Y'all are from Ohio, and your brother came down to Furman. You came to Clemson. Your younger brother is here now. What year is he? He's a freshman. A freshman. Like, what was the draw? Like, what was the initial? <laughs> what was the initial sort of catalyst that that led to y'all all yeah, y'all coming so down here? I guess we'll just make a long story long. Um, as you mentioned, my older brother played football at Furman. The head coach at the time was Bruce Fowler, who um, is from Cincinnati. So that was kind of the connection there. Um, and he went down there, enjoyed it, and that was that. He's two years older than me. So at this point, it was kind of right as things were starting to kind of pick up pretty good for me recruiting-wise. And um, and I've been pretty open about this. So uh, I always wanted to go to Notre Dame really bad. Mm-hmm. Um like I said, Catholic kid. I was born in Indianapolis. Um, it seemed like it was destiny for me to go to Notre Dame, basically, and I believe that, which in hindsight is it's just when you're young, you don't know any better. But um, And I visited, 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 and, and you know, the, the, the interest was not as um, reciprocal as I would have hoped. I think that uh, just – my height, you know, I'm not super tall. I think they had taken a guy in the class before who was kind of similar to me and another guy in my class who wasn't a tackle and all this stuff. So it just wasn't going to happen, which was a pretty hard pill to swallow. Yeah. Um, and when was this during your high school? So, so this was probably spring of 2015. So my brother got to Furman in summer 2015. And I, I first visited Clemson summer 2015, not for any camp or anything. We just we came over for a quick tour uh, after we moved him into Furman. And um, so visited, no offer or whatever. I mean, that's, you know, it was the first time. And then 
Um, spring 2015 is when I kind of came to the conclusion that um, I would not be going to Notre Dame. Um, it just it became very evident that there wasn't very much interest, which is you know it's hard. That's a hard. Um, well, how, what's the evidence? I think well, <laughs> I was at a visit and um, for a game day and and. We had played in Indianapolis the night before, so my family and I just stayed in, in Indiana. And so we were it was a night game. We were there pretty much all day, like starting at 1 o'clock for an 8 o'clock game or whatever. And, and it just <laughs> I wasn't really talking to very many people, and there wasn't very many people coming over and sitting down with us. And Who were they playing? Uh, it was Southern California. Wow. So we left. Um, you left because during the game? Before the game? Um yeah, during the game, um, just left um, because you know it's frustrating, and I and there was other connections within the program that we've got back a while from my dad and family, and so that's kind of frustrating. But um, yeah, it just didn't work out. But 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 it was the week before that Clemson offered me, and um, so. And this was the time, this is 2015, like I said. So this is kind of when Clemson's starting to, like, take off. Um, this is the advent of the Clemson social media as we see it now today yeah. and and that undefeated regular season. And so because beforehand, I mean, before my brother went to the Furman, I did not even know where Clemson was. And, um, and so it, they offered me, and then I was like, all right, well, I'm not stuck on the Notre Dame thing anymore. And really, I didn't want to go. I just wasn't – none of the Big Ten schools really did it for me. I felt like they were all pretty similar, and I just – I don't like cold weather, which is kind of funny why I wanted to go to Notre Dame so bad. But in hindsight, I would not have enjoyed my time there, and that's that's why everything happens the way it should. But Can I add the, the recent news of Brian Kelly leaving in the middle of the night? Does that kind of – Confirm that you. I mean, well, so (laughs) I alluded to some connections earlier. So he came from Cincinnati. Yeah. And my dad played at Cincinnati. So, so there was some familiarity there, and um, and he left Cincinnati the same way, right? Same way. So, um, man, it's tough. You can't fault somebody for trying to do what they think is best for their family, but if I were a player, I would be frustrated. Uh, I mean, it's. Especially given the fact that they have they have a potential playoff bid looming um, that we don't know, but it's just it's it's a sign of the times. I think for players and coaches, it's 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 convenient to to go when you want to. Um, but yeah, so so which I, I I'm not sure if they've officially hired um, Freeman. Freeman, I would love to see that. I think he's an excellent Seems like coach, an awesome coach. Um, so and I know that the players really like him, but um, so anyway, so yeah, so Notre Dame didn't work out, um, and so then I kind of really started to consider Clemson, and and obviously the area is awesome. My brother had a fantastic experience at, at Furman, and and um, and I just remember from that point, that was probably. October and November, and I would say by mid-December, I was like, I'm going to go to Clemson. Um, it's different. I think that a lot. You know, and when you're in Ohio or Cincinnati or whatever, especially as a Catholic kid, you go to Notre Dame or Ohio State or, or Michigan, and that's just where you go. And 
I don't know. I just I wanted to be different, and I wanted to go somewhere where I could win. I I I, <laughs> I like winning, and I'm not. I don't. I really, you know, they say you shouldn't. You shouldn't hate losing more than you like winning and all that stuff. I hate <laughs> losing. I hate it. And and whether maybe that's a toxic trait of mine, but I absolutely hate losing. And um, and so I wanted to go somewhere where I was like I can win at least a conference championship, but the whole thing too. Um, and so I felt like Clemson of my options was by far the best there. And then just from an overall experience, I think that it was so unique um, that. It wasn't even really a comparison to any of the other ones, and that's why for me it was a very easy decision from that point forward. Um, and then I committed almost a, exactly a year before signing day and never looked back. You you, you uh, came on a visit for the 16 National Championship Parade and yes. celebration in the stadium? Yeah, so that was my official visit. Okay. Um, so... My visits to Clemson went summer 2015, fall 2015, Georgia what? Tech game, um, and then Elite Junior Day, January 2016, January 2016, and then at that point I was committed, so I came spring game, camp, I don't know how many home games, and then official visit was the January 2017 for the 2016 parade, um, and um yeah, I mean, I it's 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 so funny to me to look back on those times because you're so ex- excited to be a part of something and and uh, you're with these guys who you don't really know, but you you're you know you're trying to kind of feel everyone out and like Blake Vincent, for example, who um, medically disqualified, obviously, but like been best friends since day one, and so it's just kind of funny how um, <laughs> we always talk how. His house is right off I-75, and my house is right off I-75. We're just several hours uh, between <laughs> us. But, um, so that's just, like I say, a cool part of college football. But, um, yeah, and as you mentioned, my little brother now is a freshman at Clemson. My parents um, have a house down here as well, and they come down frequently. So they love it, and uh, I think we're all probably going to be transplants at one point or another. So. More Ohioans coming down. I know it's frustrating. Apparently. <laughs> uh, just don't go to Charleston much. <laughs> Have you seen the? Uh, I guess they're more prevalent down there. Like go back to Ohio and yeah, like, it's well, pretty so bitter. Funny you say that because the first time I went to Charleston through a friend of mine it was like, I think it was my first summer. So like I'd only been at Clemson for like a month, and they're giving me a hard time about being from Ohio. And mind you, my family and I never vacationed in South Carolina. We always went to Florida. I knew a lot of people that did, but and they was giving me a hard time, and I'm like, I thought it was a little bit ridiculous to be honest. I was like, they were, they were hammering it. I, <laughs> well, the next summer I went to Hilton Head in the summer to visit a friend of mine from Clemson, and it was like Ohio plates galore. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, all right, maybe it's a little valid of a point. Um, but I am a South Carolina resident now, so <laughs> I am <clears throat> distancing myself. Where do you, where do your parents live? Or where's the house? So, they still live in Cincinnati, um, but they have a house on Lake Kiwi. Gotcha. Um, so, I think the intention at some point is to kind of be full-time down here. Uh, we just have all of our families in Cincinnati, but they love it down here. And uh, obviously, being on the lake is, is awesome, and uh, they really like it down here. So, um, it's been cool for them to kind of 
be a part of all this and my little brother too so it's been cool uh little brother seems like a special dude tell me about him yeah so patrick um patrick's a freshman he uh does not play football he's pretty small um so but he loves football and and I know that he's always really looked up to me and, and kind of idolized what I've been able to do. And so I know there's some level of responsibility that I have to kind of, number one, set a good example, but also just kind of be able to play for the two of us because he can't. Um, and he, But he he's super passionate about football. And, and uh, so I think next year he's going to come on be an equipment manager under Abe and nice. so I really appreciate Abe being able to uh, reach out to him and, and offer that but he, he loves it and, and he um, <laughs> he's just, he was a ball boy at my high school and he was probably more passionate than half the guys on the team so <laughs> um, but he's he's awesome and, and I know that um, it's crazy just looking back at all the pictures and stuff from recruiting and throughout my time here and just like he was so young when all this stuff started and now he's he's in college so time moves quickly but he um yeah i know he loves it and he's, he's really passionate about clemson so if you're in the eastern midlands and pd area and you're in any way interested in buying and selling a home commercial property land need to consider reaching out to uptown realty they're based out of sumter and run by a friend of mine patrick enzer big clemson guy used to cover the tigers in a newspaper capacity longtime supporter of tiger illustrated longtime listener to the dubcast the home buying process should be an enjoyable experience so let patrick and his staff do all the heavy lifting all you got to do is pick up the phone and call 803-774-0435 or go to uptown realty sc Football season is grilling season, and Jack Oliver's Pool Spa and Patio is South Carolina's premier source for the big three. Weber, Traeger, and Big Green Egg Grills. Blackstone Griddles, too. I'm Jack Oliver. Grill all your tailgate favorites to perfection with a premium gas, charcoal, or pellet grill, then top it all off with something sizzling from your Blackstone Griddle. For grills, griddles, patio furniture, hot tubs, and saunas, shop in store or online at Jack Oliver's Pool Spa and Patio, Forest Drive in Columbia, and jackoliverpools.com. Solero Communications, formerly known as Tandem Payment, is a full-service integrated electronic payments provider powered by leading-edge technology. Solero provides a wide array of merchant solutions, simplified payments. They make onboarding, taking payments, maintaining risk management and compliance, and getting support quick and easy. At Solero, they're all about helping you achieve sustainable growth as a business. Taking payments isn't the only thing your business needs. With Solero's solutions, you can manage inventory, sell products and services via social media, schedule staff, track sales, get reports, and much, much more. Find out more about Solero at solerocommerce.com. That's C-E-L-E-R-O commerce.com. When you're ready for a complete renovation in your home or business, open the door to more with Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Their local experience team will totally transform any room space from beautiful floor coverings to construction to finished details. Harris handles every step of your renovation process, whether it's a kitchen or living room or an industrial or educational setting, like some of the positively stunning work they've done at Clemson University. Go to discoverharris.com and experience a total renovation transformation from Harris Home and Harris Commercial. So over the course of your career here, like if you're looking at your bio, it's just like a little one sentence torn ACL 
before he got here uh, at the at the opening. But that cost you your senior season. That was devastating. Your dad watched it happen mm-hmm. in Oregon. Yeah. You, I think I read that you kept the video of it just as a reminder. Um, I guess as a means of sort of uh, um, putting into context your what you went through this year. I mean, you've had experience doing that, but let's give that the proper, I guess, do what you went through that year. Uh, yeah, when, well, <clears throat> unfortunately this year was like eerily similar, yeah. which is which is very difficult. Yeah. Um, that's – it's very hard. Um, that was probably like one of the first things that popped into my head. Like I can't believe that this happens again. Mm-hmm. Um, this time it's for good. Um, but, yeah, so when I was going into my senior year of high school, I went to the opening, which for those who don't know is – Nike's can't. I don't. I don't know if they do. They even do it anymore. I don't even know. Um, but it was really cool. Um, Nike's camp. They bring in like I think it was like 160 or 170 of the top players in the country to their headquarters in Oregon for like a three or four day thing. There's competitions and all this stuff. And obviously the big thing for offensive line, defense line is one on ones. And I tore my ACL on the last day it was just a non-contact thing and um so yeah so I missed my senior year and and that was going back to criticism like I you know I just had to you learn to it just doesn't matter because like for example for that situation I had people there was grumblings about how if I wasn't so selfish and didn't go to the the opening oh man wow that that from the high school fans from, from yeah like parents of players and jeez so it's like it's stuff like that that you know is so ridiculous um, but anyway so I missed my senior year and funny enough the first game of that season was actually against St John Bosco um, wow which DJ I think was a freshman so it's kind of crazy how that comes full circle which they spanked us but. Um, <laughs> So just, but it was a very, it was an unbelievably frustrating year. Just a lot of things. I was so mad. I just felt like I, because at that point in my life, I'd never faced any adversity. And all my identity was wrapped up in the game of football. And, and I was just so mad. I felt like I just was so isolated and, and like I had a hard time with that and a really hard time and not to mention this there's actually a book about it now my head coach high school head coach wrote but that season going in the 10th game we were four and five we had to win the the last game to make the playoffs because the point system at Ohio basically we played a tough schedule so we still could get in at five and five and we ended up winning the state championship wow um, every single playoff game we came from behind. There was like two overtime games. The state championship was double overtime. It was like it's hard to to verbalize how it all went. I mean, it was insane. It was absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. Injuries all over the place. It's it was kind of similar to this season as yeah. far as an injury perspective. I mean, just crazy amount of injuries, and but it. it Ended up working out, and so I think I just went through a lot of growth in that season because I, I went from very bitter and mad and and betrayed and kind of almost like just 
they they left me and 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 you know that's that's the hard part about sports is like yeah somebody gets hurt you can't sit around the fire and, and coddle them I mean you got to still play so um, which was hard for me because because at that point you know an ACL injury is not the end of the world but at that point in my life that was the end of my world um, yeah but it, so I grew a lot and so by the end of it I was kind of re-engaged and, and tried to kind of come back into that leadership role and be an encourager which is like I said how I find myself again um and so that was really challenging and this also the uncertainty of coming into college like am I going to be able to do this again um and so I would say by the middle of my redshirt year that first year that my redshirt season that I was like I was like okay I got this and then I of course tore my meniscus which is not that big of a deal but it was more so just like the pain and all this stuff so um the ACL was like I said that was the first time I really experienced adversity in my life and and it was hard I think the way that I've been able to deal with it this time around my perspective is so much different um and I think it also helps a little bit to know that th- that is the end. And so it's not like I'm worrying about what could have been or should have been like it's over. And, but just when you're a high school senior and like, that's you, all you can see is what's right in front of you. It's, you just feel like, you know, that you got left in the, the dust and, um, you know, something that was hard for me was I didn't get voted captain and, I mean, I think I probably would have. I didn't get hurt, and I was around, and, but I was I was not there. I had gotten surgery, and so I didn't get voted captain. And that was just, like, so heartbreaking for me because I felt like the past four years of my life, I had, like, dedicated myself to being that leader, that guy. And, I, and, and so apparently there, as I wasn't, or that's how I took it at the time. And so... There was a couple of things like that that were very, very, very hard for me. And so now where I'm at in my life with this, it's still hard and there's still, I still have my days, but it's, um, I don't know. My perspective's changed. You mentioned the hardest part is, is, is when you're injured is, man, everything keeps going without you. Like right then and there, like once you're off the field, it's back to business. And I think you mentioned during your press conference uh, in late October, uh, Thad Turnipseed sitting with you in the locker room, being there for you, I guess, mm-hmm. communicating with your parents. Yep. How That's just such a powerful sort of uh, image. Um, you know, the game still goes on, and you're there basically by yourself in the locker room, sort of alone with reality. Can, yeah. you, can you describe that for me? It is a very bizarre feeling. Um, Especially, I mean, I would say for most of my career, but I mean, especially I would say the past three years where I had a pretty key role on the field, to then be like in an instance watching it on TV is like, it feels like it's not even reality. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. I, I mean, I knew before I was in the tunnel, like, I'm, this is, I'm done. I knew it. And, Yeah, I mean it's it's I can't even explain that feeling. Like I I I just remember looking 
kind of scanning the stadium like well this is the last time I do this um but yeah I mean it's it just for Thad who obviously I've developed a relationship with over my time and in the recruiting like for him to to realize how much that that would mean to me just to have somebody there to talk to and just make jokes I mean like it just kind of keep it lighthearted and and but communicate with my family too and get them down the locker room and stuff like like I told him I'm like you know you did not have to do that and and I just think that's is so indicative of the culture we have here like it's not a factory it's not just this football machine that if they can't use you anymore then you're not good to them I think that um him doing that was was very I I'll, I'll remember it forever and that's what I, I mean I I, I th- just appreciate it so much because he he was there when he knew that it was it was a very hard moment for me and um, obviously having my family there too to kind of sharing that moment was was awesome just to you know I kind of look in their eyes and they look in mine and we kind of know that like that that's the end and you know, it's very sad but at the same time it's there's a lot to be thankful for and proud of and um yeah it's um the show goes on and like <laughs> I mean they still have to play the game that Monday they're still going to practice and we're still finishing the season and, and really since that point we've we've gotten so much better and so there's a part of me that's like man I wish I could be a part of that but what my perspective now is like I'm not going to sit here and dwell on the things that I cannot control so might as well just be positive about the things that I can because whenever you get in the business of just continually worrying about the things that you can't change and there's no point so it's been um Pretty good. I mean, it is hard though because I can't like I can't be super active in practice because I can't stand that long. Um, and then obviously now getting surgery, I'm gonna be pretty much sidelined. But just trying to be there and just go traveling with the team and just doing some, like just trying to be a face that's around is important to me because I want to finish strong and 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 I want to still try to be a leader for these guys and try to be strong and, and just show them that no matter what the situation you face, you can always have a smile on your face. So There's a, a snapshot from the first or second day of August camp that's vivid in my mind. Um, obviously, Trevor's gone. Travis is gone. Amari's gone. Cornell Powell's gone. Um, and you're sort of, you know, you're wondering where the leadership's going to come from. And I think y'all were – I forgot what it was. It might have been tempo. And the first team was coming off. And I guess that there was some confusion about – that made the second team or maybe third team not get on quickly enough. And it, it, it junked everything up for a few seconds. And then you went kind of nuts. Like, come on, get your heads out of your asses, yeah. basically, yelling. But it was it, – it struck me then – Wow, this offense is so quiet. Like, there's nobody else really speaking up, and that's a thread that sort of carried 
well into the season, something that you addressed several times in press conferences, like, hey, the real leadership doesn't show when you're 15-0. and 0, It shows when you're 4-3. and 3. So can you maybe give here in early December just sort of your perspective on the evolution of leadership and just how much that quiet nature of this offense might have might have kept things from maybe rising uh, maybe as quickly as they might have, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think there's a lot to unpack there. I think um, kind of going back to take a peek at last year, obviously when, like you said, when things are going really well, I mean, not that we won it all last year, but I mean <laughs> – Think that we could all look back and say like the past three or four or five six years we're all pretty good. Yeah. Um, when things are going well, it's easy to be a leader. And also, when you have that generational talent at quarterback, Trevor, I mean, it's easy for people to just like fall in line behind that guy because they know he's legit. And and it's not to say that DJ's not legit at all, but it's he's still a guy that's finding himself, and especially early on in the year, I think now we're really starting to see him take some strides, but. So he's trying to find himself. He's not an overly outspoken guy by nature. Um, that was definitely a challenge for me um, throughout this year and just because I've been kind of used to being the, the leader, I would say, of the offensive line in, in, in some manner for the past couple of years. Not not saying I was the sole leader, but, but being a leader of the offensive line for a couple of years. And so – my relationships with those guys and, and kind of our understanding of one another is very good to where – and just the, the boundaries that Coach Caldwell sets, we're, we're a very, I would say, tight, tightly run group. Um, but to run a group of 15 guys versus a group of 60 mm-hmm. is big difference. And so I think – and I mentioned this um, a while back, I'm sure, but just the – the idea that you cannot force yourself to be a vocal leader or you can't force yourself to be a chameleon in your, your leadership types. I think that you can grow in certain ways, but when it's inauthentic, then people are going to pick up on that. And so it's hard because some people by nature just aren't going to be those rah, rah guys. And I've always been that, uh, that type of guy just kind of just always have played the game with emotion and, and always have been that guy. And so that's a good thing at times, but also we need, um, like you said, like I was, I've, I'm, I'm not bashful about getting things in line. But yeah. also at times we need that more encouraging voice, which is something that especially now I've really tried to be. Um, but, but always we've always needed that presence. And sometimes in the moment when you're playing the game and things aren't going well, and that that was something that I needed to improve was was that when things aren't going well, don't add fuel to the fire by just hammering people um, because he's not productive in, in that time and place. Now, other times maybe, but um, so that is hard. I think when, when there's not a ton of characters that are the vocal guys and, and a lot of the key guys and in, in key in, um, in those positions. And, you know, you're talking about running back quarterback. A lot of the receivers are very young, and then the, the the couple handful of veteran guys we do have that are in key roles aren't super vocal, um, so that's it was challenging. Um, and I think now, like I said, now that I'm not playing, I can kind of remove the emotions out of it. And so when if a guy on the offensive line comes off, he doesn't have a great series or 
gives up a sack or a false start or whatever, I can be the guy that's kind of in his ear saying, you got this, you know what to do, give yourself space, whatever, and kind of be that encouragement while – because they're going to get it from the coaches. I mean, (laughs) like that's going to happen. And so that's the thing you realize, though. It's like if they're going to get it from the coaches, they don't need it from everybody else. Um, and it's hard to remove that aspect of the emotion of it when you're playing because you're so invested in it. And it's not to say I'm not invested now, but I can kind of delineate and um, say the things that, that need to be said. So, um, But with that being said, I think that the transformation of this offense throughout the season and the transformation of the leadership has been really good. And – I would, I man, like I think of a guy like Will Shipley. I love that dude, man. Yeah. And he's he's a leader, and he's a freshman, and and so many others. I think, especially in my absence, I Jordan McFadden, I think, has stepped up in a big way, vocally. And DJ is starting to get more confident, and and he's stepped up, and and so, but it's just exciting for me to see that because um, I know that when I'm gone, that that's just only going to grow, and. Um, but I, I, I get really excited about a lot of these young guys we have, and um, I think that they've really been key in the offense and its improvement and, and will be moving forward. I swear, like, through the struggles, four and three and all that, you know, my position in trying to diagnose what was wrong, I'm like, the problems are closer to ten than one, right? <laughs> like, there were a lot of... A lot of it was like a perfect storm of different issues. I said, but to me, the number one issue is the offensive line that needs continuity. Um, lo and behold, like the last four games, you've seen that continuity develop with the same starting five, and then lo and behold, oh, the playbook expands some with new wrinkles like the two back stuff and more yeah. of the outside. Uh, schemes with the, with the pulling mm-hmm. linemen and all that um, new wrinkles and so it's amazing I don't want to make this too long winded but looking at Alabama right now like they're struggling big I mean they should have lost to Auburn they had three points at Auburn through 59 minutes and 35 seconds <laughs> and it was all because of the offensive line I don't know why they're struggling but it just goes to show man you can have Everything else can be good, but if you're if you're having issues up there, man, it's hard to move the ball and score points. Yeah, I think obviously there's been I don't even know how many different combinations this year, but as far as coming out of camp, I was playing center and and we kind of felt like that was the best five, and, and it was a little uncomfortable, obviously, just because I've gone four years playing guard and then play center and uncomfortable sure but at the end of the day it's like i'm gonna do what i have to for the team and also if i want to play the next level then this is advantageous for me to do and so you start off playing georgia which (laughs) it's a tough draw i mean number one score defense and uh but down the stretch you know then teams start playing us in some odd stuff because they they don't think we'll run the ball and so just a, a very bizarre start in comparison to like playing four ACC teams that are all playing even. Just yeah. it was just weird and and so then it's like 
we get some injuries and some other things, so we shuffle around. So I'm going to go back to guard, and then it like it clicks for a game. And and then we, all right, and then bam, I'm down. So now it's like, all right, well now we're four. This is who we're, we've got, and it's so you as you said though. I think now we're starting to see that continuity, and and it's like finally, it's it's not like we're beating our head against a brick wall waiting for something to work. It's like it's exciting to watch. It's fun. I think we're really doing a great job of playing to the guy's strengths and getting him, like you said, outside running. Like a guy like Walker Parks, like let that guy run, man. He he can run. Um, and so it's exciting now to see that. And I think a big part of it is the backs. I mean, an offensive line can get you so far, but you still have to make a safety miss. You still have to make those cuts. And I think you've seen Shipley, Kobe, Phil getting the dirty yards and then when it is open hitting it and so that it's it's a very closely knit relationship and the tight ends are involved in two a lot mm-hmm. more than people will probably mm-hmm. even acknowledge but the tight ends are have a huge job in the run game um so that's been really fun to see and and just starting to like really put the the rushing yards on people and hopefully be consistent now we've got two games and Obviously, we've got a big stretch here, but finishing out the, the year strong, that gives us a ton of momentum moving into next year and um, some confidence. And I think that there's so much to be said about having confidence. And I think the same goes for DJ and these receivers. Like, all these guys are going to be back. Like, I don't know. Not a ton of us are leaving um, so from an offensive side. So it's, it's exciting to watch and just – I feel like a proud father <laughs> because that's that's about all I can be at this point. Um, so it's been it's been good, and hopefully uh, we can we can finish well at the bowl game. You, it's funny you say that because the 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 uh, what hatched the idea for this very interview was I was sitting down watching the TV version of the South Carolina game. I forgot what play it was. It might have been Pace's touchdown run or something. But the cameras caught you on the sideline, and you just had this grin on your face, like. Like a proud dad, almost like this, this. It was this contentment that I saw on your face. I'm like, man, that's pretty cool. That that and and it looked like it was cool. Yeah, it's. Um, I enjoyed myself on Saturday for sure. <laughs> uh, that was fun, and it's like I said. I mean, it this the situation that I find myself in is not ideal. It's it's a tough way to end and all this stuff. But if you just go your whole life mad because of the situation that you're in like it it does not do anybody any favors and so I try to to be in the moment and enjoy it and and cherish going into Williams Bryce and pitching a shutout and like (laughs) like that's fun and and so I know like I would have been so fun to be a part of that game but just for me to be able to be there on the sideline, travel with the team, and like I still feel like a part of it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I am. I am definitely more the proud dad because, <laughs> like, uh, you know, a lot of these guys are young, man, and they they've got so much left and so much room to grow. And I I can't wait to see where they are in three, four, or five years. But um, it is it's exciting for me to to kind of watch in in just a different role. And and now I'm kind of in a, a little bit more of a hands off like the nitty gritty of what I'm going to do here is, is finished. And so now I'm going to kind of be here when I can and, and 
give some little tidbits here and there, but now it's kind of like you got the, the reins. So um, it is, it's cool. And, and that is why I, the conversation I had with Coach Sweeney after I got hurt about just still traveling with the team and, and finishing out, that was important for me. And I really appreciate him, him allowing me to, to do that because it's just, I want to be a part of it and I want to still feel like one of the guys and not feel like the isolated guy that got that's that's left behind so so I've, I've really appreciated that and and it is uh it's it's very satisfying to watch when things go as they should can i try a, a premise uh for you on you um it's my opinion it feels like the most important thing that this offense has shown through the year is so after the first game i remember and even the second game too. Uh, I'm like, this is a finesse offense. Like, not just on the offensive line, but even on the perimeter, the blocking wasn't very good. And I'm just like, that's concerning. Fast forward to now, and it feels like there's a foundation there for real physical, a, a, a physical, physically imposing brand of football moving forward into next season. You got Bo and Dakari out there who are very willing blockers. You have. Uh, Brenning Stool and, 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 and Ennis and, and Davis Allen, who, as you mentioned, tight ends are very important um, in, in, in the blocking aspect of things. And then Shipley and Kobe Pace, just grown men. Uh, do you see that too? Is, is that maybe one of the most important things for this? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, as an offensive lineman, I'm always going to stress physicality. And, and so that's so frustrating as an offensive lineman when you feel like we're not imposing our will. And and there's a lot of reasons and, and things like that, but it is frustrating because you, you should be dominating people. And, and, and so, yeah, you mentioned it. I think you hit the nail on the head. Now we're dominating. Um, and and the, the tight ends, like that's, that's a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, the offensive line gets a lot of blame for a lot of things, but – Tight ends are critically, critically important in the run game. Receivers, when you talk about big runs, like busting a big one, if the receivers aren't blocking, it's not going to happen. And, I mean, Dakari Collins, good Lord. Yeah, those two in the end zone gets Wake. Um, (laughs) I mean, he – so with that, and brain soul, on and on. Like, I – that's the brand of football that we want to play. And that's, as an offensive lineman, that's what I want to see. And, like, so just, I mean, it gets me so excited to see that stuff because that's the game of football is a game of physicality. And and there's so much about speed and, and, and tech, technicality and all this stuff. But it, at its very core, it's a game of physicality and aggressiveness. And so if we could do that consistently, then we'll be fine. I don't care who we got out there. It's weird, like when I, I don't know how much of Georgia you've watched this year, their offense, but their offensive line is not great, and they're still able to sort of impose their will with a lot of outside run stuff because they have really good tight ends. Like they put, they set that edge, yeah. and their receivers are really willing blockers. And so, to me at least, it just goes to show you don't have to be dazzling in any particular area to be productive and, 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 and really good on offense, even if you're not, you know, spectacular or, you know, uh, doing all, a bunch of crazy things through the air, I guess. Yeah, I think that there's something to be said about playing to your strengths as well. Like, yeah, if you've got great tight ends and, and great receivers, get the ball outside because 
that's where your strength is. Or if, for Georgia or Alabama, these schools with these really big O linemen, then you run gap scheme stuff. Or so there's just ways that it's important to to utilize the personnel that you have at your disposal. And I think now. I've I've just been really pleased with seeing how we're doing that, and I think that that's that's been a key part of our success. So um, I'll be interested to see how things go moving forward, and and just kind of which young guys step up. I know, you know, look, Marcus was thrust into a tough position early on. I think Marcus is going to be a fantastic player, and I think um, he's gotten so much experience this year that's going to serve him well moving forward. But I think Marcus Tate is going to be an absolutely great player. Two days after the Georgia Tech game, you came to a press conference, and it seemed like you were pissed. <laughs> and my interpretation, I didn't write it at the time. I'm just thinking to myself, he doesn't really like playing center. <laughs> he, he, he seems uncomfortable naturally, understandably, in that spot. And then fast forward to that Boston College game, when you were moved to guard, you looked like you were – a hog and slop, like totally <laughs> comfortable and entertaining. Is it was I was I right? Was it just was yeah, that part I mean, of your frustration? I think that that contributed to it. I think for me, like I said, the whole premise of moving to center, a big part of it is do what the team needs, do what the team needs, do what the team needs. And so, but I definitely got the sense also like I'm doing what the team needs, but I'm not grading as well as I want to, and and I'm really uncomfortable and. And so it's like just I can't tee off on these guys and just like absolutely blow them up because at center it's it's not as much of a – you're kind of just like handling the guy. You're not going to get huge pancakes all the time. Like it's just – and it's sometimes like you – I know people were like, oh, he's getting knocked in the back backfield or whatever. Like, yeah, that's kind of what happens sometimes. You just kind of have to like – Stop it. And so it's not a very, like, glorious position. Um, but so that was definitely, I would say, a part of my frustration and just kind of also, like I said, I hate losing. I hate losing. And not that we lost that game, but it's like you see how close you are. and You can't execute a quarterback or a, a, a kneel down at the end. Yeah, so <laughs> it's just like, it's like there's, there's a lot of things – why in that moment I was frustrated and I think that I've always tried to be very friendly and cordial and, and like um, with the media and so I felt like in that moment it was probably a good thing to let people know that like I'm not this is, I'm not f- laughing today um, and so I think that's important because, I know there's a lot of people out there that think in their minds that how frustrated they are is like the most frustrated anybody could ever be. When I tell you in moments like that, players and coaches are more frustrated than anybody else could ever be, period. And it's because it's that's we're the ones that like invest our time and effort like year round into this. And so when we're not seeing what we the results that we want to see is so, so frustrating. And like it's like if you're not if if yeah, when you don't see the results you want to see, it's like why are we doing this? You know, because we're we're putting all this effort into something that's that's not showing results. So um I definitely think once I move back to guard, then I could just 
just play free and 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 all that stuff so um i think it was a good experience for me i think it de- definitely put me under a lot of stress from getting the snap making the right calls all the stuff communicating especially in those loud games but it was a good learning experience and kind of i definitely have a lot of respect for people that play center now that's for sure <laughs> two days after the pittsburgh game I asked Brent Venables in a press conference about Tyler Davis and Trey Williams about the stuff they were battling through, the injuries and all that. And he voluntarily brought, voluntarily brought you up. And he, he, he broke down, he was weepy, uh, talking about you and what you meant to the program and all the stuff you had gone through. What is, I don't know if you saw that, but um, what, is it, what does that mean to you to have Brent Venables, of all people, on the other side of the ball, Mr defensive tough guy mastermind sort of showing his emotions when he voluntarily brings you up on yeah, the other side well, of the ball. Obviously I did see that and I really appreciated it. I mean I can't express how much guys in this building have respect for him. I mean he's he's the real deal and he cares a lot about the game of football and the guys on the team. And you know, Coach V and I really I would say developed a relationship when I was redshirted and I was on scout team and, uh. <laughs> and uh, scout team is definitely a thankless job. It's a grind. And he, he, he lets you have it sometimes. And, but I think we, we came to kind of this mutual respect because I got to see how much, how dedicated he is and detailed and just, he's an absolute machine when it comes to, I mean, he's, he's unbelievable. And I think on the flip side of that, I think he saw the effort that I gave and, and the kind of my willingness to go toe-to-toe with anybody, even though I'd probably lose half the time with um, some of those guys. But um, So I think we kind of developed a, a mutual respect. And just um, along those same lines, I, I know that I've always tried to play the game the right way with effort and finishing blocks and being aggressive and just – trying to play it the right way and I feel like um you know he saw my desire to do that and I think he appreciated that so um yeah I mean I I really appreciated him saying that and and I told him that um because I have played um hurt and and I'm not asking for people's pity but it's like you know and I'm not the only one but people sacrifice a lot to be able to go play on Saturdays. And, um, and ultimately, as you mentioned earlier, like there's, there's going to be a price to pay at some point. Um, and I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to, I wouldn't change it because of that, but there is a lot of sacrifice. And you mentioned a guy like, like Trey Williams, like, yeah, (laughs) it's crazy what he's fought through. Right. It's insane. And Tyler Davis, same thing. So, I mean, I'm just – there's guys all over that are just laying it out there because they care a lot. And and it's not always recognized, and part of that's for a reason. I mean, just to protect them and – but so to have his recognition and just kind of see how he felt my pain was, was, was a cool moment. Anything else you want to get off your chest we haven't covered? Uh, not in particular. Um, I would love to know what bowl game we're going to, so I can know whether or not I'm going to be in a hotel on Christmas. Um, 
either way, I'm going to be on crutches. So if anybody wants to send care packages, <laughs> um, just shoot me a text. But no, I think we're good, and I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down. Yeah. With so. um, and when's where, where's surgery tomorrow? Tomorrow it's Blue Ridge. Okay. Um, it's just a surgery center here nearby. So get that taken care of. Hopefully, pretty early in the morning, and um, kind of. On the road to recovery, like I said, not like I have to return to sport or anything, but just kind of getting back to a good spot and healthy and kind of normal. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to get it over with and, and, and move forward. Are you done, done with football? Done. Done. So, why? Um... <coughs> I think that, like, <laughs> you, you you play the game and you invest so much into the game and all this stuff, but it's like every year you're getting surgery, and it's a lot. It's a lot to to deal with, and your body just does not. It takes forever to get warmed up. It, I mean, you're 315 pounds, like, playing offensive line, and you're lifting heavy, and just it's just like, at some point, it's just enough. Like, I, and my goal is always the NFL, and that's that's heartbreaking to not see that through. But um, sooner or later, like, you just got to make a decision. Like, like I, I've done what I can, and... And I, I don't have any regrets, so I'm I'm finished. I'm I'm gonna stay here and, and finish my MBA through the summer, and um, start working in wealth management. So that's kind of what I've wanted to do ever. You know, regardless, whenever football ended, I wanted to get into wealth management, and um, yeah. So there's still a lot of exciting things ahead, and that that that. The prospect of that and all that good stuff is is exciting to me, and that's you know it's always about what's ahead, and and so I don't have any regrets about the t- my time spent playing football, and and you know I'm sure there'll be times that I miss it, but but I'm I'm at peace with the fact that I'm I'm finished. Did you decide that after this last injury? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it, it was it was something that maybe crossed my mind prior to just the shape that my other knees in, um, with just kind of the cartilage damage that's been done that is pretty chronic. I mean, it's not ideal, um, but I think after this injury, it was pretty. I would say by the next day, I was I knew like it's it's over. Um, so that's a a very sobering conclusion but like I said I don't have any regrets and and, and I'm excited about what's to come well Matt thank you for making yourself available not just today but so often during your career to the media really helpful and always enjoyed uh conversing with you well I appreciate it thank you and and I've always I've always tried to to give the media their time because I mean you know like I said after my press conference like I think that you guys do a first-class job, and and <laughs> there's always kind of that 
that unspoken uh, conflict. I, I don't think. Well, our interests are trying to get something out of yeah the people we're talking to, and but, your interest is not to but it's real uh, anything. I've, I've really always enjoyed you know every one of the people that works on the Clemson beat, and and I've considered a lot of them friends. So it's um, it's been enjoyable to develop relationships with everyone, and you know hopefully we'll be far beyond my my days here at clemson but no i I appreciate it and so thank you okay thanks again to matt bockhorst you really get the feeling that kid is going to go on to do some impressive things beyond the football field moving forward appreciate the support of our seven sponsors for helping make this happen most of all thanks to all of you for hitting play every week everybody have a great safe weekend we'll be back next week cheers